Episode of Not Your Average Operator. Got Paul Mellon McFadden here in the sunny Middle East where the sun just does not seem to set. The temperature where it's 40 Celsius or like 110 F mid morning these days. Pushing it. Anyway, Raf, how you doing there, man? Pacific Northwest, trees, pavers. Saw you during the week putting out a patio. How you doing? Yeah, so I've been busy uh, being farmer, farmer Juan up here, dude. I've uh, Borrowed my neighbor's uh, tractor and uh, dug up some uh, pretty sizable trench for the pavers. We're doing a patio. Well, you'll see when you guys come out. Um, so just doing a lot of work on the land. Actually, as soon as we're done, I'm gonna go out with a with a trencher. I got to trench some drainage. So just making playing it happen. With a, playing with a tractor, it's where you like. You know you've been busy, but there's still the six year old child inside having a great time. You try, oh, it, <laughs> try not nice. to look like you're having fun in front of the wife. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, I'm talking about how tired I am, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And Soren loves it, man. Every time he wakes up, he literally plasters himself against the window. And of course, you see that little face. You can't help but stop, jump off, go grab him. And he just, he loves it, man. I'm pretty sure that dude can operate a tractor right now at the age of 19. This is a one-year-old we're talking about at the moment. He's not going to operate a tractor. We're not breaking any laws here. All right, Mike, how are you doing there over on the uh, East Coast, man? How's your week been? Man, this week has been... Absolutely awesome. Uh, some really great conversations have been continuing and I'm actually jumping into something that I've never done before. So I uh, was jumping around yesterday looking into learning how to ride a horse. I've never rode one, never done anything. Uh, an old uh, a friend of mine reached out about an old teammate uh, who's passed away. Uh, his uh, girlfriend owns three horses. They're both three years old. And the one male, his name's Baxter, uh, needs a male in his life to train him, teach him, groom him, and be around him. So after this uh, episode today, I'm going over to meet this uh, lady in her horse. And uh, I'm going to start learning how to manage a horse and grow a relationship with him. And then I'm going to learn how to ride him. And they have about 100 acres. You're a strapping sort of good size. What are you, like 6'1", 200 pounds? Yeah, I'm like 205, 6'1". So um, he's about three years old. I don't know that much about horses, man, but I'm, I'm really just going to dive into this. And, uh, you know, from what she said, hey, as long as you instill that, like, hey, you're the alpha around this guy, because he's he's getting to the age where he's very, like, nice, but he's a male and he's, like, going to test you, right? So he's going to get there and he's going to, like, look at you and be like, nah, the hell with you. And then that's when you got to kind of, like, no, 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 no. I'm in charge, pal. You know what I mean? So I hope, I'm, he's, I'm, I hope he's strong. The last time I went horse riding, I was a bit over, t- I'm a bit heavier than you, but uh, the horse. It's not <laughs> about size. Horse. It's not about size. The horse, horse cried. The horse cried. <laughs> so we, we have a couple, well, we, my wife has two horses, um, Sky and Gunner, and um, although they're not up here on the property. But anyways, I say that because the only thing I know, uh, Mike, and I, I'm not an expert, but from just years being around them and watching my wife and everyone else, the only thing you really need above all uh, to be around a horse is assless chaps. So just get you a good quality set. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll be good. I'm, I'm kind of having trouble. I've been on Amazon all day trying to look for, so I've, I've kind of a bubble, but all right, I'm not going to lie. Like it's a problem. I sit funny. My spine's starting to go out. Like it's weird, but uh, 
you know, more, more cushion for the ride. So I'm yeah. taking that as a positive, but thanks for the tip. You, yeah, you're, you're welcome. You're such a nice man. You're going to yeah, be you're sore. Next, you're going to be sore in the next week. Right. Any, anyhow. So uh, the three of us were sort of putting our heads together during the week. And we're thinking about what are we going to uh, talk about today? And it was a pretty tough one. It's what advice would you give your younger self? And specifically, we're talking sort of 20 to 30 uh, year old self, which I'm 44. So it's a few years ago for me. So uh, I'll jump in and go first. For me, at 20, uh, I joined the army at 17. Uh, at 20, I was sort of not attending university, uni as we call it in Australia. Uh, I was enrolled, but I wasn't really going. I was drifting a fair bit, actually. And I got prompted by my younger brother to, to actually follow my dream and apply for uh, Air Force pilot training in Australia. So that was 21, 22, I joined the Air Force, started my training. 25, I met my wife. 27, got married. And at 30, uh, we were just sort of, uh, I think my wife might have been pregnant. So it was a pretty rapid change for me from 20 to 30. So my advice, the first one is follow your passion. So even if you're not certain about it, if you follow your passion, you give it a crack and fail, you're going to have pursued something that was true for you. You haven't been living someone else's life and you might have spent years, you might have put some effort in and busted a gut, but it was something that meant something for you. And this was, this was definitely me with a pilot training. It was a big change. I was at uni and, and, and hating it, going to civilian university while I was in the army. And having a crack at the dream of trying to end up learning how to control an aircraft and uh, participate in combat operations and all that sort of stuff, that was definitely a dream I thought was beyond me. And so I was far from uh, certain I'd be able to do it. But following that dream, following that passion, was that has led to heaps of uh, really good things in my life. So my first one there is follow your passion. And that also came out when I met my wife. I was in a period where I was recently single and uh, I was sort of young 25-year-old Melon uh, having quite a few dates. And I met my wife and it was like, she's different. She is not a, a chick to date and tell the boys about on uh, Monday. This is something different that's come into my life here. And so, you know, I asked her to marry me a year after we met. We we're married to, you know, within two years. And, and so I just would, I just put it out there for, for career, life choices, et cetera. When you find your passion, follow it. That's my first one. Hey, Melon, I have a question. So you kind of just talked a little bit about um, when you, you did training and obviously I, I think you've spoken about it before in the podcast, and I'm sure at some point you'll uh, elaborate a little bit. So you were accepted to the F-18 uh, Hornet program. Um, obviously, ultimately, I mean, you damn near finished the whole thing with the exception of two rides, and then you got scrubbed. And I only highlight that because obviously you went on to fly other aircraft, but even though that was all at the time, that was like the epicenter of your world, and that's what you're going after. And I'd hate to call it a failure, but you know, even though you got scrubbed, do you think that that still gave you the confidence, right? Because you've been accepted to this thing that you, you just said was, you felt like was well beyond you, but then you find yourself on it. And even though you didn't, you didn't fly the F, well, you know, in combat operations, you didn't fly the F-18. Do you still feel that, that whole experience? Do you think that it really still kind yeah, of- Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I totally get you. So this, this, is, this is the example of following your passion. So like, I, the only thing I wanted to fly in the Air Force when I joined it was, was a Hornet. And uh, there's a whole bunch of training, about three years of training there. And I got scrubbed with two rods to go. And, you know, there's more advice I could give you around having a real focus in your life when you're taking on a challenge like this. Like I had a, a relationship going at that time that 
in retrospect was really toxic and wasn't good and you know i wasn't with my mates living in a mess doing all the study together and stuff in the evenings and anyway i, I definitely if i had you know my son at that age i'd be like not nah, have one thing in your life at this time so I, I got scrubbed off the Hornets and ended up flying uh, combat aircraft, P3 Orion, doing, uh, we did ISR, maritime stuff, delivered weapons against ships and patrolled the Australian coastline and have flown all around the world. But in that, in that uh, pursuit of passion to fly the Hornet, I got heaps of additional training that has benefited me the whole time when it came later to get a tertiary qualification, become a flying instructor. All of those extra skills were in my back pocket. And I've continued to lean on those skills even now. So we're now talking nearly 20 years later. Here I am uh, flying as military and flying instructor over here. And those, those skills I learned in the fast jet training directly I use every single day at work. Now, the second half is if I had achieved the Hornets, I never would have met my wife. And so it's one of those things where I will say, you know, like I wouldn't go back and change that failure. But flying is a joy. And I know, I know you know what I'm talking about here. And it was definitely something that took everything I had and I became a better person through the training and and so on so definitely follow your passion my first one the second one is reflect on and establish strong habits in important areas so for me there's some things that I did well so I sorted out diet and exercise which are obviously looking after your physical body and uh, you know I'm still lifting weights and uh, eating well ever since my wife had cancer in 2012 and I had a lot of diet awareness and so on that came to the fore. So for uh, just real quick for diet, when you're 25, you're Australian and you're a rugby player, does that just mean like 20 beers or frothies, <laughs> 10 beers? And it, like, what's a good diet for a nice young Australian man? I, I don't such, understand. You guys have got oh. such a strong, wrong impression of us. <laughs> well, I have, I have the answer. Mike, I have the answer. It's, it's a meat to veg. You guys, uh, that is actually what I, that is what I grew up. The Anglo Celtic families in Australia, when back in the eighties, it was meat and two veg. That's is what we had. But no, like a whole whole food diet. Don't eat stuff out of packets. All the simple stuff we can cover in another uh, podcast. But like, just think about what you're doing there. Be mindful of this habit formation that you're going to do during your twenties. So diet and exercise for your body. Ongoing education for your mind. So I did the pilot training. I then picked up a tertiary qualification of flying instruction, and I'm. Uh, partway through my MBA now, so that never ends. Sporting participation. I'm still playing rugby now at 44, funny old thing. Um, as I said before, I'm afraid of stopping because it stops a long time. And there's a whole thing in rugby, you try and play a game with your son. So I've got like seven years to go there. Uh, the other one is investing in relationships. So people in your community, people in your life, put a lot into those relationships that are going to uh, have the habit of doing that. And inside that, we've covered before, you're going to have breakdowns. And so have the habit of restoring uh, integrity with those relationships when the breakdowns happen. Right. Bad. What did I not do that well? So the, what I would like to address is going out too much. Too many frothies on the weekend. Rivers of money flowing in and rivers of money flowing out to the bar. <laughs> and, and with that, managing money. So having the habit of trapping a surplus every month and I suggest you get that into some sort of managed fund or something at a young age because you don't know really what you're doing, but you're going to have that to use later. It's all sorted now, but it's never too early to start. So that's my uh, one on habit formation. You guys got any, any tips in there? Well, it's the, the one about the money. I actually have been thinking about that. And, um, you know, I had actually had people that were older, wiser, for sure wiser, and it told me, 
hey, you need to start putting a certain percentage away. And I just, I didn't listen. Because at the time, you know, you're in your 20s, you're trying to impress your friends, your, your mates, your girlfriends, whoever, you know, you're just, you're not thinking, you're not thinking, oh, 43-year-old Raph is going to get pissed because, you know, like you said, rivers of, rivers of money in, rivers of money out. So uh, that, that's a good one. I just don't know if I would have listened. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> Hey, uh, 43-year-old ref, by the way, you owe me uh, 50 bucks. So, uh, <laughs> so just, just that you're bringing it up, man. It's time to pay up. No more excuses. You're on blast. Yeah. All right, quit screwing around. Yeah. Also, friends like Mike, with friends like Mike, nobody needs enemies. <laughs> yeah, friends like Mike. Right. So, the, so my first one, follow your passion. Second, I want to reflect on and establish strong habits in all the important areas. And my third one is aim for long-term fulfillment. So treat yourself as if you're someone you're responsible for giving advice to and helping, right? This is probably the first time in your life you're not your parents' responsibility. So you're going to have to put resources into things that are actually going to generate long-term fulfillment for you. So we've, we've, we've hit on a few of them there around uh, your passion, your career. For me, it was definitely meeting, meeting uh, my wife. I retained contact with all my friends from school. So I've got I've got mates that I've known since I was, you know, 10 and we're still, we catch up every year. I've got mates from the army from when I was 17 to 22. I see them periodically and my air force mates, I live in a hundred meters from a guy I've known since, you know, for 23 years there as well. So put your resources into things that are going to generate that long-term fulfillment. Treat yourself as a project. So in that you don't know everything at that age. So if you can find and develop mentors, who are going to provide guidance and that you can bounce ideas off. So my father passed away when I was 11 and I'd say that some of the stuff around money management and this toxic relationship I was in at 20 probably wouldn't have happened if my dad had been around. But I did transition into the period where then I had military instructors and COs and people in, in rugby clubs and stuff that I did generate as mentors. And those guys and women were people who had definitely impacted me in a positive way. So that's my third one. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate with that. You know, uh, you know, I spoke about losing my dad at 18 and then four months later I left for the military and it was like jumping in from like a small town in Pennsylvania to, you know, the world and this environment of, you know, an environment of warriors and, and men. And it's like, wow, man, I was, I was 19 years old when I was going through selection. And I'm looking at guys that are 25, 26 years old in my class that are collegiate athletes and just all this other stuff. But then there's the instructors that you look at like, like gods in a way and trying to pick out those, you know, those, uh, those traits of like, man, like what makes this guy this way? And then they, some of them kind of take you under their wing and pull you aside and like, Hey man, like they know you're young, you know, you're impressionable. Um, and then the other ones are just like smiling at you and they're like, I'm just going to beat the living crap out of you today to teach you a lesson. <laughs> so it's and you love can, and hate. You can, develop, you can develop those relationships. Like you, you get those people and they make a difference to you. And when you respect that and you put the effort in and they see that you've listened and you've delivered, they're going to be more likely to come back. And you can really generate that from the bottom up with these mentors as people who are going to continue to impact you your whole life. Like I've got a CO that I initially met when I was, a cadet he was a fly commander and he's now a very senior businessman in western australia and i still go to him for advice plus same same my old after my dad died my old rugby coach he's still in my life so the, these these relationships can really last all right so they're my three yeah right so now we're gonna go i ahead, just want to underscore uh, 
just it listening to to Mike and, and yourself talk, it literally just reminded me of Stu Weber's book, Tender Warrior. And in that book, he underscores the importance of um, paternal and just kind of manly manly mentorship for young for not just not just boys, girls as well, right? right? Because a girl who gets raised by a, a loving, nurturing, strong father doesn't need to be told she's beautiful. She knows she's beautiful because dad has told her that, right? And now she's not just relying on her looks. She's got the confidence to go and bloom and be a scientist, a doctor, a loving mother, all these things. And same thing with um, young boys, obviously. But it it just, you hear and listen to you guys talk, I was like, man, it literally, it just underscored what Stu Weber uh, was talking about, which if none of the listeners have ever read his book, it's called Tender Warrior. He's a former Green Beret, served, I think, at one or two tours in Vietnam. Um, just a, it's a framework of manliness. That's the best way I can describe. That former CEO that I mentioned, he, he always referred to having male mentors, like he, he, the godfathers for his sons, the guys to be around when they were 15 and they'd got a half beaten up motorbike put together and they were like, they weren't going to come to dad because dad knows nothing when you're 15, right? But they might go to their godfather and be like, hey, I've got this awesome motorbike. And that guy's going to be like, that is a terrible idea. And they'll listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ralph, speaking of which, uh, Soren's been texting me and he's just like, he's like, Uncle Mike, how do I do a real push up? Because my dad can't show me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. Like, I'm trying, I'll, I'll be over to help you. So just, Tell him to stop texting me like late at night. I know he's my little buddy, but like either fix the listeners, yourself. The listeners need to know that Soren is one. Soren, <laughs> Soren is one years old, but he, there's no excuse. Okay. Uh, he needs to get his stuff together. Also, and I think what's important is, uh, and I'm going to dive into mine here, but I just want to touch on what Mike said. It's important. Push-ups are overrated. I said it. They're overrated. All you need to do is bench press and bicep curls. Everything Squats. outside of that is completely unnecessary. Squats and sprints. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hollywood muscles, man. No one cares about your core. Um, anyways, so I, I'll dive right into it. I, mine, I mean, I would completely agree with you, Paul, on everything you just talked about. The one that I, because the one that I really went back to um, that I thought the three most important for me, because kind of what you were talking about, I don't want to change where I ended up, right? I. I, where I'm at now is where I need to be. I need to be Soren's father. I need to be Aubrey's husband. I need to be your friend. So I didn't want to change the path. However, that I'm thinking about the things that I could have stuck with that would have made me better now. And I wouldn't be struggling to try to show up those loose ends. So the first one is consistent discipline. Because I've always had, dis I had bouts of strong discipline throughout my life, right? When something, like for instance, when I wanted to become a helicopter pilot, I really dedicated myself to retaking the ASVAB to uh, just getting better grades that make me more competitive. Um, I was kind of going through a phase where I was yo-yoing with weight, but when I knew that I, this was a reality and I could potentially go there, I, I, you know, I was weighing like 205. I'm 5'11", so I was, I was a bit of a sugar bear, and I, I dropped some of that weight. But all this to say, I, if I could give advice to myself is don't, don't rest – on your laurels because that's what I would do I would I would go hard on the paint for six months maybe a year and I'm like dude I just I did all these great things I can relax I can bring the throttle back and I can just relax and that is literally the worst thing you could do because I think about how much better I could be on so many aspects of my life if I just didn't throttle back right if I 
I'm not saying don't take a knee. That's important. But I would take advantage of that. And I would just get downright lazy. Um, so that, and, and that, that's, I would sleep less is what I mean. I would uh, get better nutrition. I would stay with it consistently. Um, anyways, that's what I mean by, by discipline. The second one is I've traveled quite a bit. Um, I think I've counted the countries I've been to with and without the military and it's above 40 countries. So I know that compared to an average you know, person, I would say, it's some people are like, wow, you've been all over the world. Man, I've actually, I actually know a guy who's been to 182 countries and I think the United Nations counts what, 205 or something, I, it, it could change. But the point is he's been damn near all over the world. And so I know what's possible and I really wish when I was younger, kind of like what you just said, Melon, instead of wasting all this money in too many Frosties and just a bunch of nonsense, I, my, I've always had a passion for traveling. And I really wish I could have taken an entire year out between my break and service for everyone that didn't know I was enlisted for five years. I was a corpsman with the Marines. And then I joined the Army, became a helicopter pilot, a warrant. But in that break, I should have taken a year and just traveled the entire world because that's really even to this day, my wife, that's all we talk about is, hey, where's our next trip? We were planning a trip to Tibet until she got pregnant. And we realized, oh, it probably wouldn't be smart to have the bean in her stomach traveling in Tibet where she can potentially contract. You know what I mean? It just, it would complicate things. But the point is, I wish I'd done more of that. Um, so I, 20-year-old self, 20-year-old anybody, man, stop the, the, the rat race and just go travel because you will learn more in those, you'll meet some extraordinary people, but you'll learn more about yourself uh, than you could ever, it's not in your wheelhouse right now and it won't be until you're abroad. And then the, uh, the next one is yoga. I, I swear by yoga. 43-year-old body with, uh, you know, I've been flying helicopters for 15 years. Um, it's, not ha it's not good on your spine. And it's yoga is like dessert. Actually, I heard Joe Rogan say yoga is dessert on your body. And it, it's absolutely true. It's not easy. It's very, very challenging. It's challenging to, to focus on your breath while you're trying to hold the pose. Or, I mean, it just, trust me, I'm not, I'm not flexible. I, I can't, uh, hey, Paul. Raf, do you, do you uh, I know a lot of people get into the spiritual side of yoga for you. Is it just a physical thing or do you follow that as well? I know you talked about transcendental meditation and so on in, in other. Yeah, for, for me, yoga specifically, a recovery tool. I do it because like you, I work out, I lift, I try to lift heavy at least twice a week. And I need, I need that flexibility to reset me for the next, for the next workout. Um, but, it, you know, this is something that I've been, I've been off and on for the last five five or six years, again, goes back to discipline. If I'd stuck with it, uh, I'd be so much further advanced now. I wish I'd, I wish I'd done this, honestly, when I first started getting into athletics. So my first real sport was uh, football and then wrestling. And I wish I'd known about yoga. And I, and I honestly wish that 20-year-old Raf had stuck with it because the benefits of it at 43 years old and beyond are, are immeasurable. If you talk to any longevity uh, specialist, They'll tell you strength and flexibility are the core of not just a long life, but a good high quality long life. And so I feel like I'm behind that marker and I'm trying to get to a position where 20 years from now, I have the balance, I have the dexterity, I have the flexibility to, to run around with Soren, right? And I'm not worried like, man, if I, ha if I miss a step because my muscles are all tight, I'm going to hurt myself. Like, I don't oh, want to sound silly, but like, I've been heavy weights, rugby, sprints, and that 
that sort of mixture of weights and cardio. And I've seen yoga as a potential like joint laxity. I've, ha- I've, I've, I've had more. Hearing you say it, Ralph, I'm taking it differently. Like I've seen you get after it in the gym. I know, uh, I know you don't wear a tie-dye shirt and socks and sandals, so I'll, I'll have a listen to you. Yeah. Um, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, just listening to what you're saying, man. I mean, you know, you we're giving a, advice to our 20-year-old self or you're giving advice to a 32-year-old guy. So I appreciate this. Uh, I hurt my back when I was 25. I was uh, just working out really hard and just pulled the wrong way and my back went, man. And every now and then for the last seven years, my back will just kind of seize and it gets, you know, very tight. And then I got to recover, you know, if I'm working and it's really cold and I'm out in the water, it's, it takes its toll. I feel it. Um, yoga. Yes. I've been dabbling in it and took your guys advice actually, since we've all been talking and doing what, what's it called? The, the, the cat pose or whatever has just Amazing. done wonders for my lower back and actually my groin too. I've been doing groin and my lower back because everything's connected. But man, like I just feel so much better. I sleep better. My my performance, you know, like running and everything. There's less pain, discomfort. So it, it really does work, man. Now that Mike's endorsed it, I'll give it a go because I don't really trust you, Ref. <laughs> well, you know, to piggyback off what Mike said, I started yoga because I had a back injury. I mean, literally, that I did acupuncture in South Korea when I was stationed in South Korea. And then, I, and then I had a roommate, Lynn, she's from Scotland, and she's really big into like holistic medicine, and she kind of pushed it on me. And finally, I was like, I, I have nothing to lose. My back's a mess. And it was the first time in my life that I actually felt any relief. As a matter of fact, I like to tell the story, and I, I'm not going to tell it, but um, I had a really bad back spasms, and I did an episode of acupuncture, and then I followed with a session of yoga, and I ended up snowboarding that weekend. And if you had known me at the time, man, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't sleep on my bed without seven pillows. So it just, that's a testament. But you don't have to listen to me. There's like legitimate smart people that talk about the benefits of it. Dr. Peter Atia, uh, I think he's Egyptian ethnicity, but he's American. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon slash, um, I think he's changed his, his expertise to longevity medicine. Big, he's a, actually a, a good friend because I listen to his podcast. He's a good friend of Tim, Tim, um, Ferris. Uh, anyways, he does massive pieces on the benefit of flexi- uh, your, your flexibility and, and how, you know, for centurions, it's a key component of good quality life. So, so anyways, just to recap, 20-year-old self, I think if I did these three things, my life now would be far more advanced than where it is right now. Um, it's consistent discipline, not just bouts of it with just bouts of laziness. Travel more. I mean, literally, just go to places that scare you, right? I would have gone to Pakistan before 9-11. I've thought about, you know, Mongolia was on the list. I mean, there's just all these places that um, I wish I'd gone. Uh, and then yoga, because it's going to only benefit my life. And I'm telling you, if anyone's listening to me, I don't care what age you are, just just do it. Just try it. And I know that, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. I want to reinforce the travel one there. I've also done a heap of travel with the military and in the the place and uh, position I'm in life now, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to travel quite a lot. And my kids have just seen so, ma- so many beautiful parts of the world. And every time we travel, like those memories are permanent. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that edu- that's an education. That's an expansion in your mind. You see how other people live. That stuff lasts with you. All right, Mike, how about you lay down some, uh, the gospel according to Mike? 
Well, the, the, you know, part of it right there is travel. I think traveling, traveling is really important. Um, first off, go to Australia when you feel like you're becoming a man and just piss off the nearest kangaroo and get in a boxing match and just take your shots. You know what I mean? You're going to learn a lot about Australia. Uh, there's going to be random guys that come out like Melon and are just like, hey, mate, you know, like he's going to be there drinking a frothy, watching you fight this kangaroo. And it's going to be a memory you'll never forget. So travel and travel. Do you guys on. know, how, do you guys know how, big, how big the adult male red kangaroos are? They're, they're about 6'5", probably 180 to 200 pounds. And, and they, they go back on their back tail and their, their hind legs, which they jump around on, they can disembowel you with those. So just wear platform shoes when you fight them. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. I <laughs> know. Oh, All right. So I tend to really agree with what Raph said. Uh, you can go back and change a lot of things, but you're also been on this path because everybody's unique in their own journey. Every, not one person on this entire planet has the exact same life as somebody else, right? There's 7 billion people. You are unique in your own way. You'll never have the same life. So everything that I've been through, good, bad, okay, mediocre, has made me who I am and where I am. And, you know, I've said it before, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Raph said it too. And I thoroughly believe this. Now, improving things, you know, it can go back to self-reflection, man, I wish I would have done this sort of thing. There are a couple things as I'm listening to you guys that kind of popped in. One is be more decisive. So being young, you're impressionable. There's a lot of influence, whether it be from friends, family, social media, everybody's got their own experience. Everybody's different. They might not have the same perception as you. Be decisive and just make a decision and just go with it. Okay. Pretty, pretty simple, but it's hard sometimes as well, but you got to stick with it and just be decisive. Uh, follow your heart. So Melon kind of said, follow your passion. Okay. So whether that's a hobby or a job or a career or something you really want to get into, that's good. But I say, follow your heart. I don't say follow your head. Okay. There's a difference there. I felt like a long time I, f I followed my head, what my head was telling me, what my brain was telling me. You know, I've been, I've been researching a lot of different things about the male, the female psyche, relationships, and the mind will tell you one thing and the heart will say another usually. The mind is more related to cause and effect. So if I do this, this is going to happen, or this could happen, whether it's good or bad, your mind's probably going to start going and seeing both sides, right? Your ego might come into play, things like that. Now, when you, you're doing something, a passion, a job, or you're in a relationship, you know, um, I'll use the example as a relationship. This is something I'm going through right now, right? There's so many things in my mind that go through every single day of just like, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, if I don't do this, this could happen. And it's, it's very scary. It's very tough. But when I take a step back and I, I just really shut that off uh, and listen to my heart, it tells me the answer. And I know what's true. And that goes back to being decisive, right? I feel it in my heart. Your body is a machine that is so, 
it's it, the body's amazing with how it's built with the heart with your soul like it's it's really crazy to really think about how we're built as people if your body and your heart is telling you hey this is the right thing or this is what i really want this is this is what i'm feeling don't ignore it do not ignore it do not seek counsel from another person with another life with different experience and all these other things follow your heart listen to what it's telling you and then be decisive and That's you'll you'll be boss like that that puts me just <laughs> i haven't thought about this for a long time in 2012, uh, my wife woke up in the middle of the night with chest pains and she had to go down. She couldn't sleep in the bed. She had to get on the couch in a sort of hunched position. Went and saw the doctor and got referred to go and have some scans. So the following day, we went and had uh, an ultrasound. And I remember the moment when the, the nurse was doing the ultrasound, I, I saw on her face the moment she saw that there was a mass. There was, some, there was something wrong. And she exited the room and came back with an older gentleman with a lab coat on and he then took over and he stopped and he took me out and said, look, that this is bad. She needs a CT scan. Suffice to say a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts rushing through the mind. I'm in the middle East, you know, wife, two young children and sleeping on the bed on the couch next to her in the hospital that night. I woke up at like three in the morning and I just had total clarity of, I needed to get her immediately back to Australia. This was the, the medical decisions that were all happening and getting lined up. That was, I was going to terminate that. That train was going to stop. And so that was like a, a Friday and the Saturday evening we are flying back to Australia. So I 100% get you there with that, follow your heart, find that stillness. You know, you, your subconscious processes stuff. If you can get to a quiet time, you, you're going to have truth and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be there if you, if you can quiet your mind and hear it and then being decisive, like there are a hundred people who want to make decisions for you and you, you're the ones going to have to live with the outcome. Like I really get that, Mike, that's great advice. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Just, uh, the, the last one that I had is just be the example, be the example of a man, of a partner, we can go into a whole nother episode about manliness and what true, what that really means to people. What, you know, Raph mentioned Stu Weber in his book. And one of the exercises at the beginning is before you read this book, write down what you think true manliness is, right? A lot of it is the Hollywood society of just like, he's an indestructible machine and this and that, and he can whatever. Now, some of that is, is true. Some of that's important. Some of it's attractive, right? A man should be the leader. He should be, the, be able to provide security for what he, what he owns, what he cares about, his family, whatever. But at the same time, it's, it, it gets down to an emotional level and how to open up and how to communicate. You put your ego aside. You put your pride aside. You listen to somebody else other than yourself, especially if you love this person. It's not about you. It's about both of you. It's about the mutual respect. It's a partnership. It's kind of like the us against the world mentality of like, hey, no matter what happens, no matter what, I'm going to be here for you. We're going we're gonna to figure this out no matter how bad it gets. I'm not leaving. We're going to be here. We're going to figure this out. And then in turn, you become stronger. 
and you prosper. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of the thing of, you know, relating yourself to a sword. And, and I think I talked about it before about everybody gets, everybody gets dense. Your blade becomes dull. You, it becomes warped. That's life. Don't be afraid to, you know, if you have a relationship with somebody and you're struggling, whether it be, you know, your marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, like whatever you got, don't be afraid to say, Hey, this is really hurting us. Grab them by the hand and be like, let's go into the forge, right? Let's, this is going to hurt this. There's, there, there's going to be complications. It's, it's going to be confusing, but if we do it together, we're going to come back out of that forge. All of our impurities are going to be burned away. We're going to be harder. We can resharpen our blade and we're going to be that much better once we go through this. So kind of going back to this whole thing as a recap, right? Everything you've been through to this point has made you who you are. There's no questioning that you're unique because of what you've been through. And all three of us have had different experiences that we're talking about right now. I don't think any of us would change that as bad or as good as some of them would be. So if you look at it, just remember you're right where you're supposed to be. And if you look back on these things and say, yeah, woulda, shoulda, coulda, nobody really likes saying that, but what you can do is learn the lesson that came from them, realize, Hey, I could have done that better. And then for the, especially the guys out there, like I'm not a father. I want to be a father more than anything. I'll be 100% man because that just excites my, me in my life. But you guys are fathers. And just something to think about is these lessons and all these things that you've learned. And man, I wish I could have done this. You guys are going to pass that on to your kids. And now you took the time to learn these lessons and you can pass it on to them. That's like a whole nother type of chapter and purpose with your life. You know, because we think about currently, we think about now, we think a year from now. What happens when your kids are 18, 21 years old and they're going through that, that crazy stage and you're like, hey, look, I have a valuable lesson. You know, it's, it's just very cool to think about. Yeah, what you're yeah. saying there is really, really spot on. Like I'm hearing some stuff there around balance. You know, the yin yang, we all know the black and white. On the black side, there's a dot of white. And on the white side, there's a dot of black. You know, like you don't, your masculinity can run away. So can femininity. We need a, we need a dot of softness and emotional awareness and the girls need a dot of assertiveness and strength like we all need both sides and i also really love that whole point like i i genuinely have a life with no regrets like i did not regret uh not making it on hornets i, I wouldn't have met, met my wife if i didn't have a disastrous relationship that ended at 24 the lessons that i learned i wouldn't have learned you know and i wouldn't have my wife like she's she's the center of my life my my life She's the sun that rises and sets for me, you know? Raph, you're going to jump in? I don't know if I could follow what you just said. I'm going to sound like a chump now. Oh, uh, well, no. Well, you are. We don't want you to follow, yeah. so just forget. It does it. happen. For, for any young, younger person, um, especially for, for a man, just I think a good way to look at it, you know, because there's a lot of information being passed around. But if uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Mike or Paul, but one of you guys said, uh, and you might have just quote, obviously you're quoting somebody else, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, right? So uh, to me, that encompasses manliness, but also having those softer attributes so that you can connect better with the world around you. Because it's, it's, 
it doesn't make any sense to just be this brute where everything's like warfare and, you know, whatever. I mean, there's times that throttle back and take a breath and enjoy and show gratitude and, and be loving and be vulnerable. So anyways, spot on, dude. All right, so I'm going to throw I'm going to throw two quick ones. Spend time with the elders in your community, so your family and uh, teachers, mentors, etc. You, you never know when they're going to be gone, and you will love, you will cherish those memories. Take the time for reflection. I think I've heard that there as well from uh, both Mike and Raph. Ta- process those lessons that are coming in, and the last one is just barbells, no cables. All right. So, <laughs> so to recap, there from uh, from Melon. Uh, follow your passion, establish your strong habits and aim for the long-term fulfillment from RAF, consistent discipline. Love that consistent discipline, travel and yoga. Hey, endorsed by Mike. I'm going to give it a go now from Mike travel as well. Be decisive, follow your heart versus your head and be the example. There's some points in there around balance and uh, being a mentor. So, there you have it, guys. Another episode of Not Your Average Operator. We're getting uh, some really great feedback uh, from guys and girls, from people of all ages. We really appreciate that. Throw us a like, uh, add a comment, questions. Let us know what your uh, advice would be uh, or advice that you received. There's uh, heaps out there. We're not claiming to be the masters of all of this kind of stuff, and we can all use this to get ahead together. Uh, remember, not your average Paul, not your average Raph, and not your every Mike77 at gmail.com. And we'll see you all next time.